again. This is Fam Electric Ghost. I interview indie artists from around the world. We have Ivy Victoria. Yes. Um, hello. Nice to meet you. Thank you for inviting me to no this. Problem. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much for being on the show. Um, so we're going to go through the questions that we sent you, and we're going to talk about your music. So, But we'd first like to ask, like, when did you first get into uh, music as a as a as a you know a fan or actually practicing you know yeah musician. well um before writing songs i already started to like write poetry and trying to come up with melodies um i recorded everything on the voice recorder on my phone um and i was around 12 i think <laughs> And when I was 14, I saved up some money and I um, bought my first guitar. Um, I played every day and after three months already wrote about 10 songs. Um, yeah, so I was around 14 years old when I started making music. So, you're, so you've been working on music since you're, you're, you're you know, for a while. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I, I find that when I talk to creative people or singer-songwriters, they tend to say they started, you know, in their teens. Some of them started even before that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that you're in the same, um, you know, group of individuals I've been talking to for the last two years. Um, so that's 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 really interesting. So you're you're a guitarist. You're a singer-songwriter. So how long you've been working on your songs since you were 14? You were recording them. Um, how when did you realize that you know you're a fan of music you wanted to write your own music but when did you think that you know at that age you felt like you could write your own material you felt like confident enough to write your own material do you know how that kind of came about you just felt that um well i don't know i just always felt like music is something for me and um music made me feel like i don't know like happy and that's why I actually started to write songs. Um, it's just something that always was in my life. Um, my mom was playing a piano all the time. So I don't know, just like musical family or something like that. Yeah. Oh, so, so you had people in your family that were musicians. So it didn't feel, um, you know, foreign to you to, to do that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Some folks, they, they, they're in households that have no musicians. And then people kind of look at musicians and say, why are you doing that? You should do sports or you should do that, this or you should do something else. Um, but it's good to be in a household where you have other people who are in the arts and they encourage it. So your family was encouraged it? Um, well, I don't really have a family. I just have a, my mom. So, um, yeah, she she always supported me. She She thought that it was a good idea to like concentrate on music she supported me in like learning how to play guitar and just when I wrote my first song she she liked them so I guess that's a thing that really kept me going and that's why I'm still making music I, well, I think it's important to have that support people always say you know I'm in the U.S. and there tends to be less of a focus on the arts and more focus on sports yeah. And sometimes it's a big fight to actually get support. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's and true. So, so it's um it's good to have have somebody in your corner. Yeah. Especially if it's in your family, if it's your if you're if it's a parent, that's even better. Some people just have a music teacher or a mentor. Um, but it's good that you have your mom to do that. 
Mm -hmm. So, so you realized early you had a talent. You're a guitar player. You're a singer songwriter. Mm, yeah. Who are your influences in terms of like if we were gonna, uh, if you were gonna tell somebody like what you who you sound like or who you were inspired by, could you maybe name some people that that influenced you or your or your reference points in your music? Um, well, uh, when I was a teenager, I listened to a lot of like 90s alternative music, you know, just rock music, grunge. And one of my biggest uh, influences was Elliot Smith. I don't know if you're familiar with oh, him. Yeah. Elliot Smith is a great singer songwriter. Yeah. Of, a famous, you know, great kind of tragic story, but one of the, a, a great kind of emo alternative college radio type of songwriter. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I just love the vibe of, like, sadness mixed with happiness in his music. And um, if I'm able to uh, give the same feeling to my listeners, then it makes me kind of happy. Like, it makes me feel like I achieved something, so. Yeah, I do hear, I hear the Elliot Smith influence. I hear a little uh, Lana Del Rey, because you have your kind of yeah. movie, movie theme. Uh, yeah. cinematic vibe she does very atmospheric cinematic soundscapes and i, I kind of hear that in your music as well um yeah she's also a big thing in my life but um i had a really sad time in my life when i started to listen to her so yeah i guess i just i've i just forgot about her a bit now but like before yeah, yeah. yeah i hear the inspiration it's like the thing about musicians we kind of soak up our reference points yeah yeah <laughs> it's not that we're some people don't you know it's not that you're doing a, a xerox or you're copying you, you can hear you know as you talk to di different individual musicians and you know there's a lot of people that, that, that they're inspired by bob dylan but they don't sound like bob dylan mm -hmm. you know where they like springsteen but they don't sound like springsteen they kind of understand it. maybe hear pieces of it um, but I do hear Lana Del Rey influence um, yeah. and the Elliott Smith influence. And as well, as I, I, so maybe people you, you might not know, I hear a little Juliana Hatfield. Uh, she came from a band, the Blake Babies, and she's an independent, like, indie female guitar player, singer-songwriter from that period. Mm. And, and Liz Fair as well. Um, never, never heard of them. Yeah, they're, they're kind of like maybe, they're, they're very alternative college radio from the 90s. Um, yeah. In, in America, maybe not, maybe didn't get as big outside America, but um, yeah, they're, they're singer songwriters, independent on indie label, you know, strong female representation of um, you know, the same kind of thing Elliot Smith was doing. Yeah, they they did, and so they're they're interesting that you have some of that. You didn't even you never heard of them, but I, I hear it. So some people would be just getting to tap into that sound, um, and that or that vibe, and I can hear that vibe. I will I will check them out because that's interesting. Um so so you've been if you were gonna describe your, your style or your genre, um we just kinda named some influences, but if somebody asked you like a record executive asked you, Well, we're gonna package your product, we're gonna put your record out, what genre should we say you're in? What would you say to that person that was trying to market you? Um, I guess I'm more like indie pop or something like that, like that dream pop, I guess. Dream pop, yeah, dream pop, I think it sounds like, I think that that's kind of really encapsulates it. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure because I, I like mixing like different 
genres together and that's why it's difficult for me to like yeah understand. you can just say you're like alternative which yeah. kind of is like it's kind of passe today to make everybody's alternative and yeah. say like indie rock or like post-folk music mm-hmm. but because you have the guitar but you also sounds or the you know the background like uh, electronic sounds yeah so you're not like you're not synthwave you're, you're not trans you're not those type of things but you're mixing some of the synth stuff i'm a synth player i'm a keyboardist yeah. um, mm-hmm. and so i can hear it but i know your guitar is like up in front um yeah. it, w- what you're doing and so it's a mixture of uh, so a dream pop i think really fits it because it does include synth and guitar okay so now i know what my genre is <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my opinion. Everybody, like your manager, your if you, your agents in the future might find a different way to market. You never know where they want to put you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so when you uh, we're talking about workflow process, I remember you asked me. It's kind of more like when musicians kind of put together their projects. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of tools like digital digital audio workstations, DAWs. Some people use you know Ableton or use. Uh, you know, uh, Pro Tools, or they use, uh, you know, you know, different, different, you know, Cubase, different things. But I think mm-hmm. you told me that you use a GarageBand, right? Yeah. Um, now I'm doing everything on GarageBand because it's pretty easy, and I'm not that smart to do something uh, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, but before, when I was around 14, um, I had a computer. And I tried to make music with Cubase, but um, it was too difficult for me. So I just, yeah, I gave up. So, yeah. So the thing, like I had originally done some things in, um, in, uh, with, with um, that tool set, but I tend to, I, I'm, I come from a background of using like hardware. So I started like on four track recorders, eight tracks, mm-hmm. like physical machines. Um, Cause I, I date myself, I'm in my fifties. So uh, musicians back then, we didn't have computers and we didn't have smartphones. The only way you could put something down is like on a Fostec or a Tascam four track recorder. They yeah. actually use like cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. And what I found was like you, I, the DAWs sometimes are a little too complicated or they, they have too many options. There's too much stuff going on. So I still, I use like the modern day version of a four track. I use hardware digital recorders. Yeah. Which allow, allow you to just like go into a Zoom. I have a Zoom R24 and I just take all my, my synths, which are, I use modes and all kinds of analog synths. And it's easier to capture them on a device where you can just take a quarter inch line and plug it in mm-hmm. and then record track by track. So I understand what you're saying when you're using GarageBank. And it allows me to kind of just, I just go and track it. Yeah. And I, just, and I can just easily take my sense as I hear them and they don't get compressed and I don't have to fool around with the sound. I get what I hear is what I get. Yeah. So do you like the idea when you're recording that what you hear is what you actually record? You don't have a problem with trying to like deal with compression or sound control and all the other things. You just want to hear what you're, what's in your head and don't want to have to retranslate it. <laughs> um, I, I actually am pretty happy about the GarageBand program because that has literally everything for like um, beginning uh, musicians to make a song and that's pretty easy and I think even famous people like famous musicians also use it. So oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I, I mean uh, the, like the gorillas. They, yeah. they use it on on an on an iPad to do a full album. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of big bands. I mean, big name bands. You know, Damon Albarn. You know, we would blur. Gorillaz is a big guy, big artist, and you know, it, you can use whatever tool you want. It's the kind of whatever makes services the song. So yeah, I get the feeling that I get the same thing as I had in my head when I make music. So yeah, that, you like that. You don't have to worry about like, oh wow, that didn't really come out the way I heard it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's been that's always been a frustration with some musicians. Like even when the DAWs first appeared, you would go and put something into the DAW, and in the early DAWs, you had to wait like an hour. Yeah. For mm -hmm. it to render, and then when you heard it, it it didn't sound like what you recorded. Yeah, when I, when I tried, you spend like hours trying to fix it. Yeah, when I tried working on Cubase, it was really difficult for me because um, you just have to get like like samples from the internet then, and then you get the wrong ones, and then it just doesn't sound right, and then you have to do all the stuff, and you just don't find the right sound. So that's yeah. that's the best program you can have right now, in my opinion. So. So do you integrate your guitar do you, into, into GarageBand? Do you actually play your guitar into it through an interface? Um, before I did, but now I'm not doing that anymore because... Um, You're using the tool itself to do the parts. Yeah, I just do it on, on the program because, I don't know, it just gives me more control, I guess, even mm -hmm. though it sounds a bit weird because if you play guitar, it, it should give you more control, but I don't know, it just... It's more yeah. comfortable for me, so. Well, it's working for your songs right now. I've been listening to what's on Spotify. Yeah. And, uh, I've been listening. Your latest single, is that Never Forget? Mm -hmm. Is that the latest track? Yeah. Yeah, that, that is very well produced. So so do you do everything on GarageBand and then send it to a recording engineer, or do you do everything yourself? Um, I, I don't have the opportunity to have a, a recording engineer to do my stuff. So I do everything myself, but you know I enjoyed enjoy the work. I mean, it gives me the feeling of control, and um, yeah. I like it. I mean, I... well, you did you did an awesome job. I mean, the, you can you. I've heard people use GarageBand, and they and they still have to go to a recording engineer to get it right. And your your mix is very good. You know, it's, so that you've got a really good skill set as a producer, not just a singer songwriter. You're, you're you're a producer. <laughs> yeah, I, I am because I have to be. Otherwise, no one will do that for me. So um, I just learn it. But I, I like the process of making stuff. I, I just like to make beats sometimes. I, mm -hmm. Yeah, I enjoy it. So. So that's interesting because there are musicians, they're guitar players, they're guitar, you know, they're 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 vocalists, but they don't want to go and take on the task of having to do the beat or having to do a baseline, or having to do a sense. So they'll go to a producer, they'll go to a recording engineer, or they'll get a band. But I'm, I'm like you, I'm a control person. Mm -hmm. And so like it comes to my art, I do like every all the parts, I do all the production, just like what you're doing. And yeah. so I, I appreciate that kind of like, you know, my, my heroes were people like Prince, who yeah. did the same thing. Prince, well, you know, I grew, grew up, you know, he was 17 when he first started. And the story was, you know, they told him they could get the producer from Earth, Wind, and Fire to produce his first record. And they, the Warner Brothers thought he would be very impressed. And they say, yeah. He said, no, I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. And, and I think that if you think about that, they, they, the really innovative artists like Hendrix, mm -hmm. you know, Prince, uh, some of the big artists, you know, 
they they kind of they produce themselves because they had they, if you're an artist and you have that vision and you want to have the cohesive sound mm-hmm. a lot of times the only way you can get that cohesive sound is to be the, you know in control of it so i totally get that yeah i just i just like the feeling i'm even afraid like in future i don't know if if i will get there you know if i will reach my dream then um it's probably i will have to work with other people but i just i just love making music way too much i i mean yeah yeah i enjoy that like it, it gives me like happiness that i need from my life so i don't know it it is hard to let go i mean in some situations i've worked with bands right and so when you get into a band and there's like three other people mm-hmm. then, then then you know i was like a chief songwriter for a band when i was in my 20s and so i would bring the demo and then i knew like the bass player was going to change my bass line but he's a bass player so so if i give him a bass line that i wrote on my keyboard he's going to probably pay, play it better on the bass mm-hmm. and so he's probably going to add something to it so i kind of looked at it as okay well I, once i get into a band the drummer's going to take my beat from an 808 and he's going to make it a real beat cuz he's a drummer right yeah. so he's going to turn it into something that i couldn't do and so then you kind of just what happens is everything gets embellished people who are like better at certain skills are just going to take it and bring their thing to it. So when you work with a unit like that, it becomes like a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that tends to be like, okay, you have to kind of compromise and you have to be willing to open it up. And for years, you know, I've, I've been in bands, but like I'm, I'm by myself again, because I, I still, when it comes down to the end of the day, I have this artistic vision that only like seems I can do it that if I work with other people, it comes out as a different thing. But if yeah. I want to do like ghost stuff, I, it has to be me. And so I think when you get into your career, when you work with other people, it's always like kind of compromise unless they really, you know, it becomes something where, wow, that's better than what I could do. Yeah. Then you, mm-hmm. It ends up being like the great experience. Like if you can link up with people, whether it's a band or a producer and suddenly it's better than what you could have envisioned and you feel good about it, then that's cool. It's always mm-hmm. kind of like not so great if 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 it it's a compromise and you do it but you still didn't feel good about it then that becomes a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But I guess I just haven't met people like that, you know. Yeah, it, it depends on like where you go in the world as an artist. Mm-hmm. You're kind of up and coming. You're starting. You you never know who you're gonna collaborate with. You never know who who's gonna open a door or, or get you there. It's always kind of like as a, as an artist, sometimes you have to kind of put your ego in the back corner yeah, yeah. In, in order to move and it's it's hard because like if you're somebody that has a vision you know mm-hmm. some people don't have as much of a vision and so they're willing to be molded and then some people have a very distinct vision and so it's kind of it's hard to to balance that um but but when you it, it is kind of like you find it or you don't find it yeah in today's world you can continue to do what you're doing for years i've been doing this kind of bedroom producing since I was 17. I'm in my fifties. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you don't have to stop doing it. You can keep on doing it however you want. Uh, it just depends on where, where the world brings you. Um, so, so th- that kind of gets to, have you, have you played live with this project? I know in the Corona, maybe you haven't been able to do it, but before that, were you able to, to do any of this, any of your work live or, or are you primarily not? Not a live musician. 
Um, I, I, I was actually performing live uh, before when I was around 17 years old, I guess. Um, I, I sang in few bars, but the people didn't really care about the music. It was just about like going out, like, I don't know, just drinking alcohol and not listening yeah, yeah, yeah. to me. Yeah, bars so, are hard to get, get a good audience. and. <laughs> yeah, so I just gave up on that and I thought like, um, yeah. It's, you have to kind of be a cover band to to really hit it in the yeah, bars, and it's hard to do your own material in that scene. Yeah, but, that's that's what people told me too, but um, I I just don't like to do covers as much. Yeah, I mean, if you're a singer songwriter, it kind of goes back to it. I've I've talked to a lot of people. Most of the people I interview mm-hmm. are people that like refuse to do covers. Uh, I don't refuse to do covers. I just um... well, I guess I mean what I mean what I mean is they 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 have their own vision, mm-hmm. and they're not a wedding band. You know, they're they're not a cover band. They have their own material. Not that they won't play somebody else's song, but most of those songs they write are their own. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of times, like in certain places, like you can't, you like know, you know, like where I live in 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 New England, I live in a in a New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. I cannot really play anywhere in New Hampshire my own material. But if yeah. I go to Boston or I go to New York City, then I can play my own material because the audience is there are more willing to listen to that. Yeah. But, but where I live in this little corner of New England, I can't really play my own material anywhere around here. Um, so I can understand certain places that just not don't 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 really support it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so the reality. Like, yeah. So, I mean, that's not what happened to you, right? When you tried to go into the bar scene, it didn't really, it didn't really click for you. Uh, I just did it for experience, I guess, because that was just interesting to, like, perform in front of people, not in front of your computer. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So do, you, do, you, do you miss it? Because, like, there are a lot of people, like, when I talk to bands, like, under coronavirus, I talk to a lot of working bands, right? And they have a hard time doing like online um, performance because they they feel they can't get the the audience feedback, and uh, some musicians are really dependent on getting audience feedback to do a good live performance. If they just have to be in front of a computer or a camera, they can't get the right vibe. They're not getting enough mm-hmm. feedback from human beings, and so they're not comfortable doing it because they don't really know how well they're doing because they can't read the audience yeah um so you find that have you tried to do like online performance like on and stuff that you feel good about or do you say why not i'd rather just record it but then do an act and i don't know how it feels um no i i it's it's i never actually did the live performance i don't know why maybe i have to try that out but yeah i just i, I don't know i'm just a bit introverted i guess um still learning how to talk to my to my followers to my people who mm-hmm. listen to me so yeah well i think it's it's really um i i would just make a suggestion as as a as a indie artist it's kind of cool to do like an unplugged you know, like acoustic performance on your guitar of one of your songs if you did went on facebook live and you played you know, like one of your tracks, like if you played your latest track, like never forget, and you did like an acoustic version on Facebook with your with your phone, like right, on a tripod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that sometimes fans really can appreciate that because it's different than what's on your single, 
it kind of gives like an intimate musical experience to your fans. And if you, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. it's a cool thing. And a lot of people under Corona, at least in the States, a lot of people are doing that in order to keep their fan base. Um, so it would be cool. And I, I would love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I will do that one day. Yeah. Soon. I mean, whenever you, you get, you get the gumption to do it, you think you got the right, right way to do it, but it is a cool way of keeping your, your fan base engaged in this time since we can't get to the venues. Um, and we can't do the shows. Um, and so that's another question as, as a musician, you know, I found you on the streaming services. I found you out there, you know, through Instagram and then I found your, your link tree and then I could find you on like all the streaming services. So what, what's your opinion as a, as a new artist in, in the way that you're able to get your music out? Um, are, are, how, how, what do you feel about the way things are today in the music industry? Uh, I guess I don't know a lot of things because um, I find it really difficult to um, get new people to listen to me and um, I, I'm reading a lot about that and then I'm like looking at YouTube videos and I'm just like researching all, all the things that I can to just, I don't know, to just get this information but still it's a bit difficult right now so... Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of what the industry, the music industry in general, has has for musicians has always been about, you know, live performance is how you mm-hmm. get word of mouth, you know, how you get like music critics to write write you up. Like if I go to New York City, then a music person from a music magazine will might be at one of the clubs and they write about you in a blog and then you get into a magazine and you get into a newspaper and then that's how you build your buzz. Right. And then from yeah. there, you do your YouTube video, you go on SoundCloud. You, there's a bunch of things you have to kind of do to get that buzz. Right. Mm-hmm. And if, if you get big enough buzz, then the agent might come come to you. And then the agent, then the booking agent finds you and they start booking you into shows and you start doing the circuit. And if, in the Corona time, like, well, now you, the, the legs of that are kind of taken out. You can't go do that, that mm-hmm. show in New York. So the music critic doesn't get to see you. <laughs> and, yeah. and and usually you had to do that before they even got on YouTube, you know. Um, so but now you kind of have to try to get it on YouTube and like everybody's putting stuff on YouTube. So it's it's hard, but you know, it's still you can engage your, your fans on things like Facebook Live and Twitch and you know, all these different platforms. And I think it's this kind of like if you do it, people come. You know, if you go and do it, then suddenly you'll see an orders 3000 fans suddenly show up and if yeah. you do it consistently then they'll keep on showing up and then you kind of you know send them to your spotify send them to your apple and it's kind of like what has to happen but you have to kind of keep them engaged so mm-hmm. it's, it seems what i've been reading um because i do a lot of influence marketing on the side there's a lot of bands you know that used to be oh you only do one album a year in this kind of market for musicians you know, doing a song like every month is not a bad thing. It's, it's actually encouraged that you, for you to get as much material out as you can to get people yeah. engaged. Uh, it's it's not that you like just hold off a record because you're not with a label. Mm-hmm. You know, labels used to to, to to kind of market you like one project at a time and they one album, you wait two years because you tour for two years and you do another album after two years. But in this new market, people run singles, you know, some people run singles every week. Um, so 
it, it's kind of like you got to create a lot of content and you got to create as much content and buzz as you can. So it's, it's a different type of world c- compared to when I first started, you know, yeah. back, back in the eighties. Um, but yeah, there's some things about it. Like if you just, you just love doing what you do as a musician, you just keep on perfecting your craft and then people will, will tend to, to find you if you believe in yourself. That's yeah, really, you that seems to be the main thing. <laughs> You're absolutely right. That's just like the thing with me. Um, I'm really sensitive about the things I do. You know, I don't know. It just it's a bad thing in this industry because it's difficult to get people. But um, I just have a lot of like up and downs. Like if you know what I mean. Like the oh, days. Yeah. yeah. Roy Elliott Smith, I mean, the fact that you kind of name checked Elliott Smith, I, I, I kind of get that. Um, and, and I hear it in your music. But I mean, like your music can be very cathartic. You know, I, I've, I've kind of been, I've always kind of dived into like kind of uh, melancholy in music. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to be a, I still am a big fan of the Carpenters. You yeah. Know? And the Carpenters, Karen Carpenter's voice is like the epitome of melancholy. <laughs> um, yeah. it just represents that sadness even though it's so beautiful it's just every time you hear her voice it's like it represents like the same kind of thing that Elliot Smith represents it's just this, even though she was singing these these like songs that were supposed to be very positive you kind of heard the sadness in her voice mm-hmm. and it's just yeah. like it's just is that it's there it's just there and um, and I've always tried to like capture try to capture that feeling which I think it's like an artistic choice, but sometimes you, you kind of dive into those feelings, you know, blue. I mean, that's what jazz mm-hmm. and blues is all about, is usually diving into that. Um, is you yeah. find a way to, to represent that. And, you know, artists, that's what we do. We, we can pull our pain and turn it into art. <laughs> yes. Well, that's what I like about music, but the only thing that is difficult for me is actually, like, doing the work for promoting myself and everything because i'm like um i don't know i just give all my energy for the song and then i'm like hmm uh i i am a bit afraid that people won't like it or i don't know just always it's this. hard yeah sometimes you know it, it, that's where you do need sometimes you need to, to find like an agent or a mm-hmm. marketing person or find a way to get it into a you know get into a collective like, yeah. like, like the cool thing is some environments, like, I don't know where it's like where you are in Belgium, but mm-hmm. like, if you get to go to Boston or New York city, it's such a big musical environment, right? Yes. So you can get into New York and you get into the club scene there and there's all these bands that are doing what you're doing. And so you can make friends and make connections. And then suddenly you're, you're working with that band, you know, helping them do something. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's usually the connections and with between musicians kinda kinda push you forward. Like if you go and say, Well, I'll guest vocals on this other artist's album, you know, yeah. or I'll go and do some production for this other artist because I like them. And then you go and approach them, then suddenly people start seeing your name on mm-hmm. other things other than your own work. And you can kind of build up a, 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 like people start to find out about you because they start seeing your name. And they start hearing you, and all the musicians start talking about you as well. So a lot of times, sometimes they even, if you can build up a relationship with other musicians by yeah. wor- working with them, then you can kind of build your audience. Mm-hmm. I I made a lot of friends um, 
uh, musicians on Instagram. So I'm pretty happy about that. Like really nice people and also makes me feel like I'm not alone in this journey, you know. So that's a good thing about internet and social media. That's that's really something that like gives me motivation. But yeah. So do you think you're going to, in the musicians you've um, linked up with, have you had an opportunity to like, collaborate with any of them yet? Uh, at the moment, I am uh, doing a collab with uh, someone. And that sounds pretty nice. I like it. So, yeah, I think it's going to be out in one or two weeks, something like that. See, that that's how you get get yourself moving forward. The more you do that, yeah. The more that you'll, your name will get out there and the more that other musicians find out about you. And the, and the way the, the musician world is, is, like if a band, you know, works with you and then they get a tour and then you work with them, then sometimes you get to be the guest on their tour mm-hmm. and then other people see you and then they say, oh, I want you on my tour. And then boom, that, you know, that's how it works. And so, yeah. yeah. And so I think it's cool that you, you reached out and you're doing that. That's the That's like the first step to really get out there. Mm-hmm connections yeah the connections within you know even if you don't have a label even if you don't have like an agent if you can link directly with other artists it can have the same effect yeah that's. (laughs) and and then eventually like maybe their booking agent finds about you or their agent or their connections then then you can kind of piggyback on other people who actually made those connections and so yeah that's it's weird it's it just kind of keeps on cascading (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah once you do it so that i look looking forward to that project like let me know when that comes out and i can kind of push it um thank you um so so the type of collaboration since you're doing one is it is it in the same genre that you're in or are you doing something in a different genre it's it's similar to what i'm doing but um it's it sounds dream pop yeah i mean yeah it's the same i guess that's cool have you yeah. thought of maybe you know doing vocals on on a, in a genre that maybe is not like an example of what if you a hip-hop band like approached you and said they wanted a vocal for a sample would you would you do something like that or i guess like- i would i would try i mean um i like doing new things i like trying new things so i guess i would yeah because i think that's what a lot of people today what i find is um it used to be like rock and roll is like heavy metal guys when i grew up it was like heavy metal was a big thing you know yeah and -hmm. they were like i'm not doing any soul i'm not doing any hip-hop i'm not doing it's all heavy metal that's it and that's cool Mm -hmm. but in today's world it seems like a lot of bands and a lot of artists are doing cross genre you know, the, the, you'll get rock and rollers working with hip hop guys, get jazz guys working with, you know, um, country music guys. People are just crossing lines, which I think is better for music when people kind of cross pollinate each other's genre. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love it when um, people are crossing the new styles, like to get a new sound. So I'm I'm really open to that. I I do it myself. So I mean, yeah. yeah. I think that's cool. I think it's good to have an open mind as a musician, especially when you're trying to build your own brand. You know, a lot of us, you know, regardless of what, what we're doing, you know, we're not marketing people, but when you're, you're an artist, like you're, you're, you're artist, that is your brand. Yeah. You're, yeah. So, so it's like how you get out there 
and refine your your marketing campaign that you know a lot of times we as artists we're like well i don't have time for that um, i'm gonna spend more time working on my art and yeah as artists we're probably gonna spend 98 percent of our time writing the song yeah not doing the marketing campaign <laughs> mm-hmm. but but if we're indie artists we kind of have to maybe you know knock that down from to, from 98 to down to 95 and spend like five percent on, on the marketing to kind of get out there um, yeah. and, and that's always hard because like I have a hard time sometimes it's like well should I go and do a live concert or should I spend two days in the studio just writing this song and then yeah. I'll say we well, you know really I got to engage my fans so I better go do that and in yeah. my first inclination is I'd rather just be in the studio but then the next thing in my head says well you know I got to engage my fan base so I better stay in touch with them so I should probably do that yeah, <laughs> I think as as you get older, you're like, oh, I better engage or not engage. It depends on how big you get. Like the bigger you get, then like maybe you don't have to engage as much. <laughs> yeah, that's my problem. Like, um, I, I I can't find the right balance in this, but I'm working on that. I'm trying my best to like find the right way for myself. Well, I think that's. I think it's just. It's like, you know, we're hopefully this this podcast will get more people to be aware of your music and, I, I hope so and so like, let's talk about never forget now that's your latest single and um can you kind of talk about as a songwriter what, what how did this song come to be what what were you trying to convey can i if people your audience will kind of read hear your lyrics and they kind of picture their own vision but as as the person that wrote the song what what is your vision for that song um when well i wrote the song one year ago uh it was summertime and um i had a difficult time in my life and i just mm, i don't know i just had a like i don't know a bit of a breakup i guess and i felt a bit um alone after so many years being happy you know um and I just wrote that song. Oh, so, yeah, that's, I think a lot of singer-songwriters, like I said, they take the pain in their life and they turn it into art. So that sounds like, never forget, you took like an experience that was like a painful experience mm-hmm. and you turned it into art. And I think that's that's one of the advantage of being a singer-songwriter it, or even like a painter. You know, they'll, they'll take pain and turn it into a you know, painting. You know, yeah. an actor will, a method actor will take like the pain and you know angst in their life and they'll turn it into a performance mm-hmm. musicians do the same thing it's kind of a combination of, yeah. of taking those feelings and turn them into sonic art and then a lot of musicians if they do it right they tell a story that's universal and everybody can kind of understand and i think never forget is kind of one of those universal things that you you're, you're representing like that pain in your life and then people who listen to it can kind of have a mind picture of an experience that's similar and identify. Mm-hmm. It so was, yeah. yeah, it was difficult for me to release the song because um, I felt too connected with that, which is not good when you make music because you gotta put it up on the internet, show people, let mm-hmm. them enjoy it, you know. But I just had like a difficult time with that song because yeah, that felt too yeah. personal. So that is that like yeah I guess that's always the 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 problem 
sometimes mm-hmm. like, as a singer songwriter you know you put that work out there and if it's so close to you you know sometimes you know artists will will use different techniques to kind of create characters in their songs and tell a story and act like well that's not really my story it's like somebody else right but usually it's it's them <laughs> you know yeah. Bruce Springsteen is famous for making all these characters right but a lot of times the character is representing something that he actually happened to him but he created this kind of Americana character that went through some kind of thing but it really the experience of that character comes from him but he he turns it like a writer into a character in a novel but sometimes you know if you're an artist and you're like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna actually relay something that happened to me then it becomes an issue where it's like way back too close you know to what really I feel and then I don't have any cover you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah so as you get older sometimes the songwriters start to create the other version of themselves or they take character studies and they actually even put names of other people the characters they create and make the song about that character and so they can kind of separate it maybe they tell like a partial part of the story to make the other part of the story not exactly what happened um to kind of keep it away from them um but still be inspired by it but you find a way to kind of protect yourself um by by opening it up but you know i think a lot of artists like elliot smith he just kind of put it out there and you know i dylan a lot of songs are are real personal and so you know carol king very personal uh some of the people i named tech like liz fair and juliana hatfield a lot of the songs are totally about things that happen to them um and it's that's kind of like the price you pay as an artist but i think the fans benefit um from a songwriter if you think about it like you write a song like never forget and it's about you it's personal which you really feel it your, mm-hmm. your fans can really they feel that you're authentic you know mm-hmm. what i mean your fan base will feel like well this is an authentic art this isn't some songwriter on madison avenue yeah. writing something that's just some catchy like 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 just a, mm-hmm. a you know uh, some kind of just uh you know on, on, a, on a grid it's just some beat it's, yeah. it's more than that you know it, it's it's something that's actually you gave a piece of yourself and so it's actually kind of precious you know it's like it's art and I, yeah. that that's why i love talking to singer songwriters because of what you did i mean you feel uh you know you know you kind of think about it like well did i reveal too much or it's kind of painful or it's hard to do that becomes like very precious to the audience you know well i hope that people actually enjoyed that i mean that's everything what i need from yeah well i i, I enjoyed it because I, I i'm into that type of songwriting <laughs> well that's that's a big compliment for me because yeah i mean it gives me a lot of uh inspiration when people say that to me i sometimes even like read it over and over and i just start start crying because that just unbelievable that some people give me their time and just listen to my songs that's beautiful well i i love i love to support you know people who are doing this because in our in our industry there's a lot of people you know for different reasons they get into it um and and they're not they're not doing it from the heart they're kind of doing it from other places and i've always been drawn to people who are kind of have that honesty you know that's why i was really into kurt cobain 
because yeah. what he was doing was it's like everything was so really raw. You know, it was kind of like the punk Elliot Smith. You know, it was very punk aesthetic, but it had a lot of feeling. It had there was a lot of pain in what he was doing, and and I think when people see an artist that does that, um, they it just really inspires them. You know, and I I I, I just will always be drawn to people who give that much into their work. I, I was actually a a very big fan of Kurt Cobain. Um, also like Elliot Smith, but I guess it just, it was like a very difficult time for me. And then I just um, forgot about it um, because when I listen to music, I always have associations with the songs. And then when it's a bad time in my life, I just, I just don't, don't like to hear it again. You know, you, know, you drop. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's happened to me. Um, yeah. For a long time after Prince, you know, passed away, I, I was one of the. I, I'm a super big Prince fan, but mm -hmm. when he passed away, it was it was like so painful. I couldn't listen to his music for like two years. Yeah, it was just I, hard for me to to listen to it without getting kind of caught up in the emotions, you know. Because you know, when you lose, I can imagine like Nirvana fans probably felt like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when he died, it's like it's hard, you know. Um, so sometimes like something can, can happen and it makes you like, Oh, I can't hear that song again. I get that. Um, yeah. Same thing with Karen Carpenter. I mean, I love the Carpenters, but sometimes I can't listen to them or I'll be crying all night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It, it just, it's just too deep. They can't get into it, but, um, I appreciate it. And mm -hmm. you go back to it when you, when you can, um, or when it feels like you can't open up to that again. Mm hmm but uh, so are you, you're working on that new release that's coming, that collaboration. Are you yeah. working on any other music um, besides what you've had out there for 2020? Do you have other things besides the collaboration? Do you have another project or? Um, currently, I am making my first album. So that's pretty exciting. I enjoy the process. I, I like it too much. So hopefully people will like it too. Um, Oh, that's awesome. So what's the target date for that? Um, I guess it's around September, like oh. beginning of September. Oh, that'd yeah. be, that, well, I, I love to have artists come back on the show all the time. If you've listened to our podcast, we've had guests come on multiple times, especially when they have projects. Yeah, so, I saw that. Yeah, so if you've got, when your album is ready to come out, we could actually do like an album release show where we could kind of talk about the project and talk about the songs. Um, and kind that of would give, be great. Yeah, yeah. Give, it, give it a little lift. Um, <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah, we love to do that because we, we think people need to support, you know, indie artists especially um, because there's a lot of people out there that will go and say, oh, they, they you know, even for what we're doing right now, there are people who say you got to pay them like $100, $200 to get on a podcast. And we were like very against that. We were kind of like, we came from the, I, from like college radio. I used to be like a radio DJ at my college. Yeah. And I, used to, I used to interview bands, you know, and I, I wouldn't charge them. I was like, you know, I just want to talk to you because I think I like your music. <laughs> You're doing like a really big thing for artists. Like you are helping them out a lot as I see like on your interviews with people. It just nice that you're doing that well i just think that you know you put you pay it forward because you know 
I don't look for anything other than I, I like the experience of t- learning about other people's music and I'm a musician, right? So every time I, I, I approach an artist for an interview, I get to listen to all this music. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, as a musician, I get, I, I get inspired by, and I, and I talk to people from multiple genres. So if I, you know, now I'm like, oh, wow, I'm listening to you kind of like dream pop. You're doing this yeah. dream pop. And then I was like, well, wow, you know, I, I, maybe I should take some dream pop elements and put it into my work. So I, yeah. I just kind of look at it as a, it's a payday for me in that every time I get to hear another musician, I get inspired to maybe try something different. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the payday for me. And then the fact that I can, I can, you know, build a relationship with other musicians, you know, get, get them to come on the show again, get them to talk to other people. And then I might get another guest because somebody in your circle, you know, hears that I interviewed you. So it just keeps the whole thing going. It's all, it's all good because we're building a community. You know, in my opinion, like indie artists, we all need to do these collective things. Um, of course. To, to build ourselves up so that people find out about your work. <laughs> yeah. You know, if people find out about you, then they find out about me, and then they find out about the person I interviewed last week. And then it just builds our whole indie kind of nation of, of this like worldwide group of indie artists that are just trying to get our work out there. That's that's a nice thing to do. That's a nice purpose in life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, it keeps me from just being in the studio. Because <laughs> yeah. I'll be at my home studio and I'd just be writing. And then I said, you know what, I should do something else. And, mm-hmm. and I found this other way of engaging my fans. And it's interesting, you know, we, we've, we went from being like 3,000 listens to 24,000 listens worldwide, you know, and, and then we got picked up. Spotify actually bought Anchor out and now we're part of Spotify. Um, That's really cool. So, so it's, it's pretty cool that yeah. something that I was, you know, not looking to do any, you know, any kind of monetary benefit and we're actually sponsored. So mm-hmm. I actually get paid by play, you know, like a radio. <laughs> well, that's that's a dream job. So is this something that, you know, I can just sit and interview people and then I just get passive money coming in. And the musicians, like, we need things like this to help mm-hmm. us. Um, yeah. Because, you know, as a musician, like, well, how are you going to earn? Well, podcasting is a really cool way to get out there because uh, it gets, your, gets you to, a, like, a worldwide audience. And, yeah. and and then you get your name out there um, and in a different platform. Because like in music I mean, today, a lot of musicians, they have to do sync licensing, which means they get their move, their song on a TV show or a radio um, uh, advertisement, uh, you know, in movies and video games. That's how mm-hmm. musicians are making money. We, we, we actually, musicians make more money from licensing their music to be in, you know, advertising, TV, movies, video games, than we make any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. And so, you know, getting your name out there, what happens is you can end up getting to influence marketing as a musician. You can, you, people find out about you and then suddenly somebody says, hey, do you want to be an influencer? So will you go and wear a t-shirt <laughs> in, when you play you know, from this brand? And so when you do your video and you show up on Instagram and you wear that shirt, then suddenly you get paid, <laughs> you know? And so you make more money doing stuff like that, which mm-hmm. is like, okay, well, you know, that's not what I was in for, but 
if that's how it's going to you know be, then I can use that to buy more equipment. <laughs> that's a nice plus, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you, as a musician, you should be always wide open for that. I mean, some people are like, oh, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, if yeah. you find ways to do that, it's kind of cool. And we see a lot of influencers on Instagram, you know. They're, they're selling vitamins or selling, you know, mineral water or whatever. But, you know, that's kind of, that's how you, how you make it. <laughs> I am open for everything, to be honest. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. So you, hopefully, you know, this will get out there and some, some company will say, hey, you know, would, do you want to wear this cap? Do you want to wear <laughs> this? Do you want to, you know, you wear this, drink this energy drink, you know, on your posting <laughs> and show that you drink it before you write your song? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> of that's, course, yeah. yeah. That's, that's how you can get out there. Um, yeah, we're, so we're, we're happy that you came on the show, Ivy. And this is going to come out within an hour mm-hmm. on 11 podcast platforms, including Spotify Podcasts. Apple Podcast, Radio Public, Overcast, and Anchor itself. Um, mm-hmm. All these links will be out there. We will send you the Anchor FM link. We will send you the Spotify and the Apple link. Uh, the other ones are just out there. You, but we'll send you that so you can cross-promote. Mm-hmm. And we will also promote on our Instagram channels and our Facebook channels. Uh, and cool, one cool thing, we, we do have this relationship with Spotify where – the Spotify version of the podcast can be linked to our Instagram. And so yeah. when we put a, put a highlight out there, it'll click right to this episode. And That's so we will nice. share that story and it will, it will allow people to go into Instagram and directly click on it. And it'll go right to the podcast. Thank so, you so much. So that will help uh, push people into the interview and get people to know your work and your hyperlinks will also be on this. So we're going to put your, your Spotify link yeah. and your Linktree link and your <laughs> Instagram link. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. We look forward to your new album in September. So tell us before it's uh, maybe two weeks before it comes out, we can set something up. Of course. All right. Nice. Okay. Nice. Thank you. Have a good, good day. Have a good day too. Bye. It's nighttime there, right? <laughs> no, it's uh, it's just evening. I'm Is not it? Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, it's not too late, so we can keep you up too late. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you have a great day. Bye.